and welcome to Big Life Conversation. You're here with Barbara and Nicole on a bit of a cool afternoon here today. I uh, hope you are rugged up and warm or on your way home somewhere. Um, we have a bit of a fun-packed show for everyone here today. Quite excited about our guest speakers that we have coming up. But before we check in with those, Barbara, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Nicole. And yourself? I'm very well. Had a, a very busy weekend As and also have. a restful <laughs> weekend. Kids sport, but also catching up on some sleep after a night shift. Oh, yes. We were talking about that off air. It can be rather taxing. It can be, especially when your other half goes overseas. Oh, yes, indeed. And you forget. Yes. <laughs> you forget what support is and mm. how nice it is when you do have it. So, so he was um, missed uh, for a number of reasons. <laughs> he was. Absolutely, absolutely indeed. So um, uh, glad to have the, the rest there and be ready here The alpha male, today. I think you described it. <laughs> did you? I, I did. I did. I did. While the alpha male is away, <laughs> there was a very uh, sad dog mm, who, was, who was moping and, and lying on his side of the bed. Oh, and uh, the youngest was, the, the, the day he left, he was like, oh, I miss daddy already. <laughs> I'm like, who am I? (laughs) Mark's still here. That's right. Um, makes the heart grow fonder or go longer or whatever. It is lovely. It is nice. And um, that's that's true. Better than the thing, you know, I think we don't want daddy coming home so we're That's right. But the unusual nature of travel with work now. Yes. And so we haven't kind of had um, people leave the house for extensive lengths of time. Exactly. Habit. (laughs) Very much out of habit. Very much out of habit indeed. Uh, And did you get up to anything exciting on the weekend? Well, I went to see um, that uh, great production at the Malvern Theatre Company, The Lady in the Van. (sighs) And we know about that film, of course, with Maggie Smith in it, and based on the true story, as we know, by um, uh, Alan Bennett, the uh, the playwright and and writer and actor, about... um, Margaret Shepherd, um, or Mary Shepherd, she seemed to change her name constantly. But anyway, originally I think her name was Margaret Fairchild, but about the eccentric um, but rather interesting old woman who took up residence in his driveway in her van for apparently came to stay for just a few weeks and ended up staying 15 years. So, 15, was it? Yes. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny story. It's also a sad story. But anyway, it was, it was a great production at Malvern. And, um, yeah, so... Hats off to them, and I think it just, it just wound up on um, Saturday night. But we're looking forward to uh, their new season. We might talk about that a little bit later. Yes. Um. So some of us are getting out and about, which is wonderful. Yes. And I, mad, your Mad Woman monologues. Did you get a chance? I didn't get a chance, unfortunately, because I was working nights. Of course. But uh, yeah. very successful, and great. A, a few members of my book club that I attended on the weekend did attend oh, and good. really great. enjoyed it. So uh, I think it was quite a hit from well that perspective. Fantastic. So um. Yes, I hope those of you who called in and emailed got some free tickets and got to see that on Tuesday night as well for our little free offer that we had, which was great. Mm, indeed. But we have guests today. Let's tell people we a little do. bit about our guests today. We so do. coming up at 4.30, we have the wonderful Dr. Trevor Graham. Uh, and amongst uh, his the many hats he wears, he's a, a film director, uh, and he's responsible for this fascinating um, documentary, which is going to screen uh, down at um, the Hawthorne Arts Centre on um, 
I believe, uh, Wednesday week, the 23rd of November. And this is Monsieur Mayonnaise. And it's the true, strange but true, strange than fiction, strange but true story of um, Georges Morat, who, who um, those of you might know, um, was the uh, was the late husband of uh, the late Mirka Morat. And um, she, of course, of great artistic fame, and he, of course, of... Um, artistic fame and also of uh, um, restaurant fame but anyway he was actively involved in the French resistance during the war and managed to save the lives of many many Jewish children and it's you know it's an intriguing story it is you wouldn't have thought that it sounds like it's been made up but anyway um, it's a great uh, great documentary and very cleverly done using um, sort of a film noir style and um, some animation and um, yeah anyway it's uh, it's really quite intriguing and looking forward to talking to him about that and um, some of his other interesting things that he's been involved with too. Oh, yes, and a lot, and yes, a lot of awards he's been a busy as man. well. So right. very busy. I'm really looking forward to that interview coming up uh, just after 4.30. And then after that, we have someone more on the science side of things. We have um, Dr Sharma, So, and she's a, a dermatologist um, and has studied extensively. I've just got a couple of her amazing um, uh, accolades here, but... Uh, degree in medicine at Adelaide University Mm. and then undertaking an internship at Royal Melbourne Hospital and worked all over Australia and specialises in dermatology. And she spent some time at the National Skin Institute in Singapore and has um, expertise in treating Asian skin and their diseases um, specifically, which is quite interesting. And she also has a subspecialty in paediatric dermatology as well, so looking after children and their skin as well. Mm, Someone who also I met because of an overlap with nutrition. So Mm -hmm. she also has studied public health and specialising in nutrition policy and advocacy um, at John Hopkins in Baltimore. And um, she is also um, a chief medical officer at Mole Map. So if you need your moles checked and... Yes, this is a good time of year to be doing it. Really good time. We've got high UV at the moment, but cool weather. So our, mm. our sun is very close and... Uh, can be a bit we, deceptive, can't absolutely it? Absolutely, can be very deceptive. Um, and, of course, she runs her own dermatology practice and looks at skin and health concerns from a very holistic manner. And today she's going to talk to us about all things to do with sunscreen. Uh-huh. So very it's timely. quite topical that you mentioned the uh, the sun and the UV, so we might mm. find out a little bit more about that. But talk about sunscreens, you know, what's, what's in them, why should we wear them, some of the impacts uh, from their protection yes. and... Um, uh, something we should think about when purchasing one. So indeed, and of course, to that. I think I think a lot of us are a bit more aware of. Um, and my late mother, uh, may she rest in peace, um, and she certainly changed her tune. But when we were kids, it was the old. Uh, not that we were outdoors a lot uh, at the beach, but on, on on holidays and Christmas holidays. But um, the old coconut oil would be slapped on, lathered yes. on, and I've seen witnessed uh, family members sitting next to me with foil and olive oil. Oh dear. <laughs> ourselves exactly no not, not uh, a good idea not mm. a good idea but um yes we have that guest coming up uh just after five um this afternoon so lots and lots to have a look at as well something i didn't mention earlier was to also thank the lovely nigel loveday for his amazing show that preceded us always has some great tunes and i heard some good aussie tunes mm. because as you mentioned to me it's australian music 
month, month November it at is. the moment. So we're going to play a few music tunes as well. Um, so thank you, Nigel, for your wonderful tunes there as well. Indeed. And just a little shout out to our co-host that we're missing, a little bit of a heart of yeah. our show. We're hoping to McNina. see her sometime soon. We <laughs> yes. are indeed. And that's Jacinta and uh, our family as well. But big shout out and sending lots of love to you all and waiting on the news of your grandson's arrival. Ooh, <laughs> yes. a, bit of, a bit of excitement happening, um, which is something nice to look forward to. Uh, it is 17 minutes past four o'clock. You're on Big Life conversation with Nicole and Barbara and we've got a few Aussie tunes up our sleeve today as well. Let's start the show off with these. Always take the weather with you. Crowded house, an oldie but a goodie. One that I remember travelling around on a Kentucky tour <laughs> in the late uh, was it the 80s? Or oh, early those are the days. Yes, yes. Um, I survived a Contiki tour before that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it was the first time they ran it during a shoulder season. Oh, okay. So it was Easter time. How was and it? And it just rained. Oh, so we it? had Crowded House playing weather oh, with you. Oh, very apt, yes. Until uh, <laughs> we got to about Nice and then it fined up. Oh, okay. Was nice that was nice. Nice. nice in Nice, yes. I remember it being nice in Nice. Oh, good idea. Um, so, yes, a nice uh, Australian tune there and a lovely Crowded House. Love them very, very much. <clears throat> yes, it's a good way to whet your appetite if you've never travelled overseas before, as I hadn't. Well, I think I'd, I'd been to England to, to visit relatives there, and then um, you did what you did, probably then headed off to the continent for the tour. The continent. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, we're, we're, I have I have travelled a lot. I have to say, I'm I've been very, very lucky in that respect. You have been, really. Um, but uh, yes, I did probably. Lots of Europe in two weeks. Yes, can you remember? And, and, like and it was, a, sort of it was a lightning it speed. Um, but it, it can whet your appetite for, as you say, for future travels, and that's what it, I think it's done. It does. Yes, it does. And it's good, good for young Con- people. Yes, it is. Are they still around Conti? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, okay. They might have stopped because of you know it was oh, a bus. Of course. And yes. generally speaking, even without COVID. Someone got sick. The whole bus. Uh, got yes, sick. due to all sorts of reasons that you and, don't go into a lot. There was oh, yeah, always right. um, mm. lots of bit of wild behaviour, shenanigans going on. Yes. Um, although I had a very unique tour at the time. I remember uh, there was a whole lot of couples and people oh. on their honeymoon. And oh, Daniel really? and I weren't married at the time. We're like, no way. Mm. Like, no way. Are we going. <laughs> Take you no, to it for a honeymoon. No, that's not my idea. And there was two single honeymoon. people on the whole bus, and oh. I actually felt really sorry for I'm them because it was a, a you know, a, a Very, clicky little yes, they felt club of couples. Did they get together in any way? Or they, they were, no, no, two no. girls. And they were looking girls. to okay, yes, right. to meet some other people. Oh and of dear, course, yes. what, who they met was us. So um, <laughs> well, I'm sure know, that was fun, but probably not as much fun as they hoped for. Probably not as much fun as I hoped for. But you know, nice to get to be travelling. So I don't know. If they're, they're still continuing, but how nice if you are on one of those. Yes, indeed. Now, you mentioned a couple of birthdays off air. I did. I have one coming up, which is a, a, my, one of my best friend's daughters. Oh, and on nice. the 16th is her birthday. That's Wednesday. Happy birthday. Oh, wow. So um, happy birthday, Audrey, yes, if indeed. you're listening in. And also, can you believe that tomorrow, I hope you won't mind me mentioning this, but... I think she's is she Dame Patricia Clark now, but anyway, she's turning ninety. Wow! So and still with us, and uh, I guess good for her. She was touring not so long ago. She came to Australia only a few years ago. I think she was in her eighties. So she's quite amazing. She's a, a fit 
lady she in, is. That, she in is. that respect. So, Good on so her. that's really nice. Happy birthday. And also um, Bonnie Raich just had a birthday oh. um, last week, I think, on the 8th. So happy birthday to her too. Yes, a few November babies. And those um, Scorpios out there. As well. <laughs> a few little Scorpios, as we've mentioned earlier. I have a couple of uh, humorous articles oh, yes. by our um, lovely shovel, the shovel satirical group and site that sends me all sorts of interesting things through the week. The the most well, the funny one that I received via email was about how their show. Um, it was all done very tongue in cheek, but we're sad to announce that our show, after you know many years of lockdown, um, is still going ahead, and <laughs> and it continues on in that same you know we apologise for still being we are sorry we apologise. Uh, so that was quite funny, but sold out in Melbourne. There are two shows. Yes, I was hoping for some sad, more. Yeah, but all uh, of the others still have tickets, uh, and they're touring around too, aren't they? Byron they are, Bay and all sorts of places. Yes, and, yes. and there's tickets available there if you're somewhere else within the country, but uh, alas, in Melbourne, booked out. We are devoted fans here. We are. Uh, so this one is, um, I've got two little articles. One's, uh, this man says that there's no way he'll be voting for Dictator Dan at the upcoming <laughs> democratically run election. A Victorian man, Jono, says that the only option left to stop the brutal uh, totalitarian regime <laughs> in Victoria is to put them uh, last on ballot papers at this month's open, democratically run <laughs> state election. Claiming people like him were being silenced, Wilson told a commercial... Sorry, that was his surname. John O. Wilson told a commercial TV station that Victoria's Premier was a dictator that must be voted out. This is fascist state. Uh, remember to number every box, Wilson said, providing a list of independently run and monitored polling booths where people could vote later this month. He likened uh, Victoria to a Stalinist Russia or a communist China. Like us, people there know what it's like to have to wait four years to have the chance to get rid of their leaders. Uh, boom, boom. So that was a, a funny one from The Shovel. All tongue-in-cheek, satirical website, not the opinions of the station or this show. Um, the other one... It grabbed my fancy because it is food related. Yes. Uh, and this is called Woolworths to phase in plastic bags. <laughs> Supermarket giant Woolworths said it's committed to phasing in plastic bags across all of its fresh fruit and vegetables over the next two years in a move it says is important for the environment of its stores. Uh, right now, you can still walk into Woolworths and see a parsnip or a pear just lying there, loose. It's confronting, a spokesperson for the company said. By the end of the year, that will be reassuringly wrapped in a single-use plastic container that's sturdy enough to last the next three mm -hmm. or 4,000 years. Oh, dear. Ah, the move comes as Woolworth phases out single-use shopping bags, which it has replaced with larger reusable bags. The beauty of these new larger white bags is that you can fix six pre-packaged bags of lettuce and three-packed tube of apples into one shopping bag, whereas before you could only fit half. Rival <laughs> Coles says it will consider all available options before introducing an identical plastic bag strategy next week. <laughs> yes, they do it well, don't they? Ah, <laughs> yes, plastics and everything's wrapped. No more loose fruit and veggies. Um, really quite astounding. So even now they're still trying to, you know, I got apples and I chopped at Aldi and the apples are in a cardboard carton. Oh, yes. 
in a plastic wrapping, single-use plastic wrapping. Uh, you know, the orange is still coming in in netting, but plastic yes. netting. Yes. You know, there's, so there's really a, we can of... pick up our oranges and we don't need them bulk packaged. And I know that's really for the consumer to buy more produce. Mm. Um not as convenient, really, environmentally as we would They're like. not. And then there was an awful story about that, that place that was supposed to have been recycling bits and pieces, which apparently has been stockpiling them. Uh, did you hear about that? Yes. It was very disturbing and also quite worrying because it, if you're stockpiling that kind of stuff, it's a fire hazard potentially. And we've heard some horrible stories about uh, things going terribly wrong with that those kind of um, products uh, in storage. So, hmm. No, not good at all. Not at so all. Uh, uh, we hope to um, stick with those single fruits and veggies straight from the fruit and veggie shop. You can probably get them nice and loose, yes, as they like to be, right. um, without that plastic. Uh, it is coming up to 4.30 on Big Life Conversation with Nicole and Barbara. We've got our first guest coming up uh, very shortly and uh, we're looking forward to having a little bit of a uh, Australian music spiel at the moment. So um, looking forward to having Trevor Graham on the line shortly for our first interview. Let's go to some Ice House. And that was Great Southern Land, cut a little bit short because we have our wonderful guest on the line. We have uh, Dr. Trevor Graham, who has joined us. Um, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hello, it's Barbara here. Trevor, thanks Hi, so much for taking time oh. out. We know that you're on a, a strict uh, time regime, so we shall uh, cut to the chase and just sort of say congratulations on that brilliant film, um, Monsieur Mayonnaise, which you directed and which is coming to the Hawthorne Arts Centre on the 23rd of November, Wednesday week, I believe, at 6 o'clock. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Now, tell us a bit about this. I have seen the film. I absolutely loved it. And um, it, you, you go everywhere, don't you? I mean, for people who don't know the story, it's stranger than fiction, isn't it really? <laughs> yes, it is a bit. Well, it's a story about a son searching for uh, how, the story about how his two parents survived the Holocaust. Yes. But in our case, in this film, one of the parents is the highly acclaimed Melbourne artist Mirka Mora. Mm. Her husband, um, the, the father in the story, Georges, who is uh, a French resistance uh, contributor, yes. I won't say fighter, but contributor, um, and he helped save many young Jewish lives uh, during the war. And the story is about them, but told through their son Philippe's eyes. Philippe is an artist and a filmmaker who lives in Los Angeles, and he sets out to make a comic book about yes. how his parents survived the Second World War being Jewish and how they survived the Holocaust. So he goes on this extraordinary journey to France and to Germany and ultimately to the Swiss border, the French-Swiss border, to find out um, about his dad's story of helping young Jewish children escape the Nazis. Well, as I said, it is strange in fiction and uh, it's just so intriguing um, on so many levels. Uh, I was going to ask you, it came out a few years ago, I believe, um, how, and, uh, but how long did it actually take you to make? Because, you, uh, as you said, uh, you, he travels back, to, um, Philippe travels back to uh, various parts of uh, Europe, sort of retracing um, 
his family's steps and also creating these wonderful works of art. Um, yeah. So how long was the whole process? It looked like it would have taken quite a while. Well, Philippe and I met on Facebook. Oh, really? In 2013, right. yeah. I, 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 we, we both had mutual friends and through our mutual friends we got in touch with each other on Facebook. And we started talking about the idea of doing a film together uh, back in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then I, about six months later, in early 2014, I went across to Los Angeles to do some filming with him. Oh. And that's really where the journey started. Some of those very early scenes uh, that were shot are in the film. And then we worked the story up a little bit more and and I decided I wanted to really focus on his parents' story. Mm. And as I said, how they escaped and fled the Holocaust. So from that point on, I started to do a lot more research, pinning to, piecing together his parents' story. And he did the same too. And he started to develop his comic book at that time, which is which, which is at the heart of the film. Yes, yeah, so Beautiful the way you've you've married the that some of that that animation and that art with the with the film that whole sort of film noir sort of detective on the case kind of approach as well. Yeah, yeah, it's got shades of who do you think you are in it yes, as well. Obviously. Exactly. Um, but I think it's it's richer because it really does take you on this incredible journey from Los Angeles to Berlin and to Paris, um, and then back to Los Angeles and also to Melbourne. And it ties it all together. And, and Murkamora's story, I mean, she's well known in Melbourne as a, a fabulous art. Indeed. Um, but her story is full of emotion and gravitas. It's a very, very moving story. It is. She, you find yourself laughing but almost crying too at some points as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was in a, within a hair's breadth of being taken to Auschwitz and just escaped. That, that final train journey. That's an amazing story too with that letter that uh, found its way to the right place. It, it is. It, as you said, it's stranger than fiction. Um, um, and, of course, go on, sorry. I think it's a film that stands the test of time. Oh, it does. Indeed. Because, because we're always going to be fascinated with stories about the Holocaust. Yes. Um, because it is such a, a significant event and we should never forget the tragedy of why that happened and how it happened. And that's one of the motivations for making the film, but Philippe and I signed a pact in blood that we weren't going to make just another film about the Holocaust. No. We wanted to make a film that had humour in it. Yes. Um, We wanted to make a a film that took a different kind of uh, way of telling the story and hence the comic book and his mother's humour. Yes. yeah, infusing the story. I mean, she's a very funny woman and very charismatic. Uh, and of course, she died. Just a, she just died a few years ago. Of course, she she outlived um, George by quite some time. But uh, it was just, it was just great to see her again on screen. And uh, yeah, extremely charming. I was lucky enough to have met her many years ago at an art gallery. I think she signed my catalogue. But um, yeah, she, she's yeah. she's much loved. And um, you can see, as I say, that talent that um, obviously Philip has inherited that artistic talent from from both his parents, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and they were not just any ordinary couple of uh, Jewish people who are, you know, who are on, on the run or trying to escape um, the, the terrible situation in Europe. But uh, they were outstanding personalities anyway, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, and also they made such a contribution to Melbourne exactly. in terms of cuisine and their restaurants, and of course Merca's art and George being uh, both restaurateur and 
gallery owner. Indeed. So they're, they're very significant cultural figures in Melbourne. So that was, again, one of the, the motivations for making the film. And it's an absolute joy to have it screening at the Hawthorne uh, Arts Centre very soon. Yes. Um, now, are you going to be there? Or was Lisa, is it Lisa Wang or Lisa Wong? She's, going to, she's one of the producers. She'll be there. Lisa Wong is presenting the film. She's my wonderful... Uh, co-producer partner yep. who uh, who helped realise the film. So, and and also the interesting thing about this film is it's also a German co-production. Yes, um, it was it was made for French German TV, uh, a network, a binational network called Arte, uh, and so there's no there's no Australian broadcaster involved in this film, which mm-hmm. is to our great national shame. I yes, indeed, say. that's right. But, but a French national, a French and German national broadcaster picked up the story put in a substantial amount of money and hence we have a, a German co-production Fantastic. partner as well. And that, that shouldn't be forget, forgotten because the Germans are really interested in examining their own history. Yes, of course. How and why the Holocaust happened mm. and how why the Second World War happened. And we should never forget that Germany is a different place these days. It is indeed, as you said, and maybe this is some way of trying to make some sort of reparations to the sins of the past. Um, and all that sort of thing, but um, no. It's, as I thought, as I said earlier, it's uh, it's so intriguing on so many levels, and the fact that uh, the brilliant uh, late great Marcel Marceau uh, was Philippe's godfather. Yes, yes, indeed. Marcel Marceau plays a very significant role in the film, and that it was him and Philippe's father Georges who uh, created the whole idea of. Uh, I'm not going to give it away, but uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> And hence, hence the uh, the title, Monsieur Mayonnaise. Yes, exactly. Uh, no, so it sounds like it was a real labour of love for you. Um, and I know that if people, we do hope that people can get along to see it. I would love to have seen it on the big screen. I just saw it on the smaller screen. Um, but it's at six o'clock screening at the Hawthorne Arts Centre this uh, Wednesday week. Uh, that's the 23rd of uh, November from 6pm to about 8.30. And then uh, Lisa, as you said, Lisa, will be um, presenting. And I think that people can get uh, drinks and nibblies after. I think this, this, the arts is going to be open a, a little bit later so people can uh, have a chat. And, um, and, and I just... hope serving baguettes and mayo. What was that, sorry? I hope they're serving baguettes and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that will be, yes, we that will be so. very apt indeed. I don't know it who's doing be. the catering exactly. It would That's be, right. wouldn't it? But, uh, yeah, indeed. So, it's, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful night. But th- for those of you who cannot get there, you can actually get it on Google Play. Am I allowed to say that? Yes, you are. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, because it, it, it did... Um, it was part of the Melbourne Film Festival a few years ago too, and I gather it, it, uh, it was shown to great acclaim there. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it screened at about mm, 60 international film festivals. Oh, wow, a lot, wow, yeah. A lot of uh, international Jewish film festivals picked the film up. Um, it's been very successful on that front, um, and as I said, it played prime time on Arte in France and Germany. So. Oh, that's brilliant. No, we do, yeah. do congratulate you on it. And you've got, we haven't got time to talk to you about your, uh, the rest of your illustrious career, but um, you're involved with um, Make Hummus Not War, Give Chickpeas yep. a Chance. Was that I the subtitle of that? that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Give Chickpeas a Chance. That's right, for the Melbourne International Film Festival in, in 2012. And also you're involved in the documentary on Eddie Marbo as well. Yep, yep, that's, that's a while ago, but that was um, quite a hit in its time and made quite a splash. Uh, nationally and internationally, it was it is the only film that really highlights Eddie Marbo's personal struggle to gain mm. Yes, I have uh, seen that. That's uh, that's fascinating as well. Yeah, yeah. But you have a particular um, interest in uh, the documentary as a medium, I gather. Is that right? 
Yeah, I've been doing it for nearly 40 years, so I get that. <laughs> That's Thanks. right. Obviously hooked on it. And um, are you also are you involved in film lecturing as well? Uh, I had a stint at the film school for a while. Yep. National Film School in Sydney. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I went back to my first love, which is making films. And yes. I, I, I wonder whether it's ever going to end, I have to say. <laughs> well, it's, ah. a, it's a nasty vice to have, I would have thought, or obsession to have, or a lovely vice to have. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> And you've got, um, just before we let you go, you've got, I think, um, another film coming up uh, in the wings. Is this um, The Love of My Life? Yeah, The Love of My Life is a, is a really interesting story that's going to be on Compass on the ABC next year as part of their World Pride uh, programming because Sydney's hosting World Pride next year and there's half a million people coming to Sydney and wow. uh, inundated, which I'm sort of looking forward to, but I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, mixed feelings. That's um, right. and, and ours is The Love of My Life is a trans, transgender love story. Nice. To, shall I say, older age transgender women. Okay. So it, it, it lays bare, if that's the right term, their love story and all its glory. Oh, how right. lovely. And I, are you looking for a bit of funding for that as well? Is that right, some crowdfunding or something? Uh, a little bit of crowdfunding and um, some other funding from other sources, which I can't mention at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so watch this space. And that, is that likely yeah. to be on um, on uh, TV or is that right? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, it'll be on Compass, on the ABC. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So we wish you well with that. And as I say, just got to remind people to uh, to book um, the Hawthorne Arts Centre. Um, it's a very reasonably priced. I think just $10 for, uh, to see that, that uh, brilliant film and uh, to enjoy perhaps a little bit of French cuisine um, and uh, a, a nice little drink afterwards. But uh, thanks so much for taking time out to chat to us and uh, best of luck. Yeah, thanks a lot. Get, get along to see Monsieur Mayonnaise. It, it, it's, you know, I will say it myself, it's quite a charming film. It is. Yes. <laughs> it's an absolute delight. And um, yes, as I say, I, I wish I'd seen it on the big screen, but um, I might try and get down there if I can. <laughs> to see it again. I think so. It's one, one of those I things that bears... It, can, you can, uh, it bears repeated watching, as they say. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks, thanks, Trevor. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you're back with Big Life Conversation with Nicole and Barbara. And just then we spoke to the wonderful Trevor, Graham. Dr. Trevor Graham, yes, indeed. Uh, about his uh, upcoming, um, I guess, viewing at the Hawthorne Arts Centre. Yes, Wednesday, uh, 23rd of November from 6 to 8.30pm. Oh, lovely. I love the name of this. And you probably <laughs> uh, see why um, as you do that. But Monsieur Mayonnaise. Yes, and we don't want to give too much away. But suffice to say, it was an ingenious trick um, which helped, f- uh, which the French Resistance actually uh, helped manage to fool the Nazis with and uh, also helped save the lives of many Jewish children. So that's an intriguing story on so many levels about Mirka Mora's husband and about her own family too and about her son Philippe, um, also an artist and filmmaker who uh, is on the trail of um, the uh, this intriguing history of his own family and or his own families, I should say, his father's family and his mother's. So yes, get along down there to, um, to the Hawthorne Arts on the 20, Wednesday the 23rd, that's Wednesday week uh, from 6 to 8.30 and you can enjoy 
as I say, some refreshments as well. The, the Heart Centre will be open a little bit later. And with a bit of luck, there might be a bit of a French cuisine and there a might be dash of mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Yes, maybe, maybe there is. Bon appétit. That's right. <laughs> and before that, we had the most of Julia Clark, and that was the tune Downtown from her CD there. Yes, great co- compilation of hits there. And quite Fourth, a few of them too, Nicole. To celebrate, yes. to celebrate her birthday. Yes, 90 years young tomorrow. Can you believe it? Really amazing. <laughs> Good innings Happy there birthday, and a beautiful Petula. voice as well. That's right. Uh, and then before that, we had Great Summer, although it's not quite looking like that, mm-hmm. by Vance Joy um, heading up at uh, four minutes to five o'clock. And soon we'll be having our second guest. But before that, I've got a little bit of science news Will to share. Uh, a couple of articles that I shared on our Saturday morning program, or my Saturday mo- morning program, Food. Food for Thought, which is on every second and fourth Saturday of the month, where I do a one-hour nutrition program from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. So you have to tune in early. (laughs) Uh, But we spoke about a little bit of nutrition news, and this one was um, around some studies recently done on the solution to obesity. Mm. And uh, so there was um, 20 years of data uh, and a whole lot of information that's come out around obesity and, you know, everything from looking at the environment, um, increased availability and marketing of high calorie foods, Mm. high glycemic index foods and drinks and larger food portions, um, leisure time, physical activity um, being replaced by sedentary activities such Mm -hmm. as watching TV and the the use of electronic devices, devices. inadequate sleep and the use of medications that all contribute uh, to an increase in weight. And um, whilst we do know that um, sometimes we assume an environmental cause that is detrimental, um, there is a whole set of things now sort of suggesting that um, man acting and reacting to his environment um, to in order to gain long-term survival and longevity is not really acting in its best interest no. at the moment. Um, so, you know, we, we've developed these amazing methods to feed billions of people and the planet by developing processed foods with preservatives and other chemicals that can make food last for longer. They can make, be made cheaply, but they also increase calorie density in small packages. Um, and so therefore we store fat in response to the excess calories. So what we do know is that um, humans' reaction to overfeeding is significant and there's a lot more obesity. Um, uh, but as it, as it does, the production of foods that are being overfed, so where it's not necessarily um, us feeding but being overfed. Mm. So it does talk, though, about how culinary medicine is an emerging evidence-based field that brings mm. together nutritional and culinary knowledge and skills to assist patients in maintaining health and preventing and treating food-related disease by choosing high-quality, healthy food in conjunction with appropriate medical care. Um, no surprises to me that culinary medicine is is I'm one of go. the answers. Exactly. But um, it's it has the advantage of being an intervention that can be implemented very easily mm. and very early um, at the development of obesity with no negative effects. So there's new drugs exactly. coming out that are helping. There's bariatric surgery that's yes. coming out. But there can be serious um, sort of um, consequences, can't there? Or very sort of trade-offs serious consequences mm. around that. And, mm. you know, now the science is supporting that uh, – if we knew how to grow, develop our foods, 
cook our foods and particularly the cook, the, the skill of cooking, yes. the skill of actually putting a meal together with fresh whole foods, I think is getting lost because we have this ease of you know, exactly. overproduction That's of what they're saying. processed foods. That's right. And so uh, many kids are becoming overweight as a result. And and don't actually understand what that, that package is not actually food mm. within it. That's right. Empty um, calories or calories that are going to result in extra weight that you're carrying. Absolutely. Mm. And it just reminded me of, you know, some of the school programs that are out and about at the moment uh, where you have the, um, you know, garden to plate cooking, you're growing the food and then you're actually yes. feeding and cooking. The, Some um, schools are food. bringing these programs in, yes. Some are doing mm-hmm. that really well, others aren't. And mm-hmm. I know that one, my son's school did it one year. Okay. And whilst I loved it for that one year, I wished it was every year yes, because they yes. understood how to cook. They understood a few recipes. Exactly. And those that never ate certain foods before were observed eating certain foods. Oh, wow. So, yes. Well, that's right. You train kids to, um, in terms of their palate. Oh, my children don't like vegetables. Well, maybe it's because you've never really given them to them and, and you've uh, been throwing chicken nuggets at them for most of their lives. So, yeah, yes. yeah mm. absolutely. And when, when it says here over 20 years that obesity has been studied, the data shows that one third of this is the US population um, at 20 years of age or older have obesity. Which is very scary. Very and for scary. for the first time, in fact, I think this, this program I've talked about with you before, um, the kind of got a chance to watch it in my view yet, but there's the last episode tomorrow night on the ABC at 8.30, Magda's Big National oh, Health Check. yes. Check. Part three of three. I've got to watch those. Yes, and uh, it's it's very it's fascinating. And some of you, some things, of course, you will already know, but some things you'll be alarmed to find out. And one of them was that uh, yes, a lot of uh, people. The statistics are showing that some yeah, people of this generation, some young folk, are going to actually uh, die at an age earlier than their parents died because of their diet. Yeah. Um, and so that's very disturbing. Um, and anyway, it's a. Uh, fascinating um, series uh, and a very important one to watch. It's just in terms of the hidden sugars and the hidden salts in so many products that we that are being marketed as healthy. And um, Magda's pushing, she has a chat with our health minister, our new health minister, Mark Butler, about um, uh, ways and means of uh, actually alerting people in terms of health warnings on various foods. Absolutely. Uh, like we already have with, um, in, in, with cigarettes and uh, some alcohol and that sort of thing. Yes, mm. yes. And someone said, well, perhaps if they had on a, a certain packet of uh, uh, sweets, do you realise that, you know, consuming so many of these calories will mean that you will have to burn them off. You'll have to walk for at least two or three miles or four or whatever it might be. Yes, so it, it's interesting. That was a, an interesting one because I, I know that last week I mentioned that ABC radio article where they were talking about exactly that, like a say if you're looking at, say, a Kit Kat bar mm. of two uh, pieces of chocolate within it and it had 209 kilojoules on it, yes. uh, that equates to 42-minute walk, 42 minute, um, yes. of walking and 21-minute mm. run. If that was in big letters on a large mm. portion or taking up the whole cover yes. of that particular chocolate bar, exactly. would you reconsider or yeah. would you make a, a more <laughs> wiser choice between what else is there, especially in vending machines, if you could see all of that? That's it's true. like, well, that's 209, exactly. that's 108. That's right. Maybe I'll pick the 108. <laughs> that's right. Maybe um, I'll have half it today and then next, next tomorrow, yes. And I think that's, mm. that's had, that actual um, study had really good uh, feedback on people making better selections mm. because of that. Because... Not a lot of people read a nutritional panel and it is That's quite right. complex to read. And if you're in a hurry and you're tired and frazzled and you're a parent and you're working outside the home and you think, I just want to grab something quick that's, that's going to be easy to prepare, the kids will like, um, and then sometimes you're shocked to find out, hang on a second, I didn't know that, that was in What's there. It's been in the package. Telling me it's good for me, but in fact it's not entirely No, good. no, and little yeah. stamps of different 
uh, organisations oh, get, get on the front and mm. uh, check again. Yes, exactly. Check again. Try to, try to, try to read the fine print if you can. Absolutely. Uh, there was another article from the same uh, location, Science Daily, which I love for their nutrition news. Um, this one's from the Academy, uh, American Academy of Neurology, um, a little bit of a distressing one. It says people in their mm. 20s and 30s who drink moderate to heavy amounts of alcohol may be more likely to have a stroke as a young adult than oh, people who drink low amounts or no alcohol, according to a study oh, published on November 2nd, 2022 on the issue of neurology, um, the Medical Journal of the American Academy of Neurology. So the risk of stroke increased the more years people reported moderate or heavy drinking. So not necessarily all heavy drinking. Well, uh, that is disturbing. But, of course, we do know that if you drink alcohol, your blood pressure is rise, isn't it? Absolutely. It has a whole set of – like, it's no surprise to me, but Mm. now they've got some good science behind a lot of these things. Uh, It said the rate of stroke amongst young adults had been increasing over the last few decades Mm. and stroke – in young adults causes death and serious disability. Yes, that is um, a lie, exactly. It, it could prevent stroke in young adults by reducing alcohol consumption. That could potentially have a substantial impact on the health of the individuals and the overall burden of stroke on society. Yes, the health system. The exactly. study looked at records from a Korean national health database for okay. people in their 20s and 30s um, that had four annual health exams. They were asked about alcohol consumption each year and they were followed up for an average of six years. Um, the, they were asked for a number of days per week, um, how many how many drinks they had, and people who drank five, 105 grams or more per week were considered moderate or heavy drinkers. This is equal to 15 ounces if you're in the old system or slightly more than one drink per day. Oh, gosh. So this mm. is the moderate or heavy drinking. A standard drink in the US contains about 14 grams of alcohol, which is equivalent to 12 ounces of beer, 5 ounces of wine or 1.5 ounces of liquor. Mm. Um, more than 1.5 million people were included in the study. A total of 3,153 had a stroke during the study. Oh, gosh. And these are young people we're talking about. Young people. People who were moderate to heavy drinkers uh, for more than two or more years of the study were about 20% more likely to have had a stroke than people who were light drinkers or did not drink alcohol. The light drinkers who were less, uh, who drank less than 105 grams per week or less than 15 ounces per day. uh, did not, and the, as the numbers mm. of years of moderate to heavy drinking increase, so did the risk of stroke. People who two years of moderate to heavy drinking had nineteen percent increased risk. People with three years, uh, with three years, had twenty two percent increase, and so on. Um, so something to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, the limitation is that it was only conducted on Korean people. Um, mm. So you know, obviously needing to do some more study on other races and ethnicities as, as well, and other parts of their diet, and how they possibly. filled out the questionnaires mm. and all of those yep, other things yep. as well. Mm. Um, but a very interesting thinking about the silly season ahead. Yes, indeed. And who is more inclined to drink more? Mm. Technically, more people who are just recently. Um, accessing alcohol. That's right, exactly. Uh, so so important, important information. Thank you for that, Nicole. Yeah, something to think about on that front as well. Uh, it is seven minutes past five o'clock. We have another guest um, lined up for our afternoon. We're going to be speaking all things dermatology and sunscreen. Um, we have the... Um, 
lovely uh, uh, Dr. Sharma joining us and um, she is a dermatologist and thought that she'd give us some good information around sunscreens. So uh, Dr. Nayati Sharma will be joining us um, just after this next tune. So let's go to hmm, another Aussie tune. You might know this one. That's the acoustic version there of Holy Grail, uh, Live at the Continental by Hunters and Collectors. A great song, a great tune, and one of my favourite bands way back Mine when. Too. <laughs> um, yes, uh, taking me back to school days. Oh, yes. I remember that one for sure. So um, It's a bit older than that for me, but no longer than <laughs> <laughs> um, It's 11 minutes past five o'clock, and uh, joining us very shortly is the wonderful Nayati Sharma, or Dr Nayati Sharma, who is a dermatologist um, raised in Melbourne, um, had a, has an undergraduate degree in medicine from Adelaide University um, and has an internship that she had at Royal Melbourne Hospital, um, walked, worked all over Australia and specialises in dermatology, also has um, a subspeciality in paediatric dermatology and has done some extra training in treating Asian skin as well. Um, We'd love to welcome to the show Dr. Nayati Sharma. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, we're looking forward to um, speaking <laughs> with you today. We've we've had a little conversation about how it hasn't been so warm outside, um, but the UV is quite high, and we thought, well, it's a nice little segue into talking about all things to do with sunscreen, which, um, you know, I think people have forgotten a little bit because of our weather that it's so important right now. I know. It's it's a contentious issue because often we think that um, on a cloudy day, well, you know, we're protected, we don't have to wear sunscreen and, you know, most often we do stay inside and indoors uh, on a day like today, but um, unfortunately you still need to wear sunscreen. I was just having a quick look at the um, the SunSmart app, which is a free app by Cancer Council Australia and the UV index today is nine. Now, if, wow. you're, if it's ever Gosh. three or above, that requires sunscreen. Well, that's so really scary wow. to know that. Yeah. Yes. Three or above, Goodness. and today was nine. And yes. I don't think we saw the sun poke through. So that's that just right. tells you something, doesn't it, about this Australian sun, and especially in the southern hemisphere where we are right now. Oh, it's actually you've you've made a really good point about the southern hemisphere and, and where we are located. So. Um, it's a fun fact, but actually when you compare us to other countries in the Northern Hemisphere, we're actually like about 1.7% closer to the sun um, mm. in the same, in our summer month, in our peak summer month compared to another country in the same sort of location, same latitude, I would say, um, in the Northern Hemisphere about the same time in their summer. And so because of the way the Earth, elliptical orbit is around the sun we do tend to get more uv exposure mm. so we get actually about seven percent more than other countries wow oh dear. wow and mm. that kind of explains why we have such a high incidence i imagine and i'm just drawing this uh conclusion here yeah. around the skin cancer side of things as well 
It's exactly right. I mean, you know, skin cancer, there's multifactorial, so I don't want to just say that UV exposure is the key cause. Mm, yes. of, I mean, it is a key cause of some skin cancer, but, you know, there are areas on the on your body that you don't necessarily ever get the sun, but you get skin cancers, mm. like the soles of your feet or in your genitals. But yes. um, most of the time it is in chronically sun-exposed sites, yeah. of course. So, yeah. yeah. Fascinating stuff. And, and, you know, I talk to people all the time around, you know, where Melbourne sits is quite unique from a, um, during winter, our, we don't get enough vitamin D, but during summer, yeah. we're getting obviously so much UV. Um, it's, it's kind of, there's, there's poles apart because uh, we're where we are situated, which is quite interesting. And, you know, you a lot of patients of mine will come in and say, well, you know, I won't get enough vitamin D if I wear sunscreen mm. all the time. But actually that's um, like all the studies that, have look, that I've looked at have shown that actually sunscreen has minimal impact on vitamin D ah, levels over time. That's interesting. I love okay. that. Yeah. So it's about our um, behavior. So we've yes. now become you know, more indoor, uh, we don't tend to be outside, we don't tend to walk everywhere, we tend to sit in our car and drive ourselves to the, you know, um, the shopping centre and so forth. So I feel like we've definitely, as a whole society, we've um, changed our behaviour and so we are having less and less sun exposure, of course, or being outdoors. Yes. Um, So, but generally speaking, if you're protecting that face of yours or the back of the hands, that's not going to impact you know, your vitamin, your vitamin D. D. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. There's always about. your diet too, isn't there, Nicole? Yeah, absolutely. 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 We're right. talking about the, the um, sun-exposed mushrooms. Exactly. And, I was and, just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I know you've got a, um, uh, you know, a whole lot of knowledge in nutrition as well. And I was saying off air that that's part of the, the reason we've connected is that there's that relationship with, you know, holistic relationship with looking after skin, both from the yeah. inside out. And uh, I remember you saying, well, that's the name of my practice. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. right. Exactly right. Yeah. And I think shiitake mushrooms, I think I when I looked up that research, I think, Shiitake mushrooms have one of the higher levels of vitamin D um, yes. compared to other mushrooms in research. But, yes. you know, it's, it's about being that sun exposed, yes. of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what is a good sunscreen or, you know, when we're, when we're thinking about sunscreen, what are some of the things we need to be thinking about? Yeah, look, I think the first and foremost is the SPF level. So, you know, you want to look at a highest SPF perhaps, you know, product that you can find. So I'll tell you, basically SPF just means how well your skin is protected from burning itself. So it doesn't make you, it doesn't, it's not a protection factor against cancer. It's just from burning. Mm. Um, And so if you have SPF 15, that blocks about 94% of the um, ultraviolet late ultraviolet B radiation, um, whereas SPF 30 only increases that by an extra 3%. So you're not right. you're not getting like double the amount of protection mm. from preventing mm. yourself from burning. But every I think every bit counts because we don't tend to put sunscreen on like an armor. We don't sort of make sure. I mean, if there have been studies showing that, you know, when we do apply, we apply it sort of amidst whole parts of our skin. And yes. um, so... It's important to firstly get SPF 50 if it's possible. Um, and often people complain, oh, it's too greasy. I can't find something that I like. You have to kind of keep rotating until you find something that you like. And if you 
definitely find it greasy, go ahead and find an oil-free one. There's plenty of formulations on the market. There and, is. You know, yeah, we are not allowed. Um, recently, TGA put up a so Therapeutic Goods Administration talked about how we cannot specifically talk about brands. Yes, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so whoever it is, either an influencer or medical practitioner. So I'm going to speak about it in generic terms. So yes. you can look for oil-free um, preparations as well that are plenty available. Yes. Um, and then you then there's two, I guess, distinct um, types of sunscreen. So there's the physical blockers and they're your like zinc-based ones, the very thick ones. Um, and then you have the chemical blockers, which are your... Um, Basically, what they do is they deflect the UV off your skin. Yes. Um, they absorb and then they deflect. And so it can vary in personal choice. There's a lot of patients that come to me and say, well, I've heard, you know, sunscreen can cause cancer. And I, and that's complete a myth. That's mm-hmm. definitely false. And if you can, you Good. know, um, go on the TGA website, you can look up because um, one of the reasons why sunscreen is so hard to formulate in Australia is because TGA has strict guidelines yes. on um, um, on sunscreen production and they do a lot of research and uh, it's very um, they looked at nanoparticles do they reach systemically oh, on yes. your skin and no they don't um, um, but if you're really worried I say always go for a zinc based one because mm-hmm. then you know you're reassuring yourself um, whereas in, and we know that um, sunscreens have reduced the incidence of skin cancer um, by and large, as a whole, so um, you know they are very effective in in reducing skin cancer rate. So it's really important to find something that you like, um, yes. and and then wear it. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's the key there as well. It's interesting you mentioned about the what the SPF uh, means. I had a uh, was. A, um, a mum and a daughter speaking to me yesterday about you know getting burnt recently at netball and mm. um, you know but I had sunscreen on and I was trying to explain that well if it's 15 plus isn't it just 15 times your burn rate and then you need to reapply so that's I just wanted right. to clarify exactly. that yeah uh-huh. and you... sorry yeah, that's exactly right I was going to say you've actually nailed it on the head that's exactly how you would explain it to a patient so, so, and she was like, oh, and I said, so if you had it on at the start of the day and netball was at the end of the day, you could have well, and this is someone with very fair skin, um, you could well over, you know, A, it could rub off, <laughs> B, mm. um, yes, that factors well and truly um, being gone time-wise mm. from, from when you put that on. So uh, I think there's not a lot of knowledge about that. I think we used to know about that and we've sort of forgotten it a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's why I'm sort of um, getting going around and explaining and, and revisiting all the public health messages because you're right, sunscreen is... Um, Look, it's starting to become fashionable. I feel like a lot of young people will look for, you know, the next upcoming brand of, of sunscreen and use it. So, but it's right; it's not preventing skin cancer. It's actually delaying your ability to have a sunburn. Yes, um, only about the sunburn. You, yes, that's right. And it's about reapplying. So, actually, even if it's, I usually say every two hours, really, if you're outside or if you're using, if you're having, if you're doing anything that's sporty, that you know that you're 
sweating off the sunscreen, you need to apply it every two hours. That also includes water-resistant sunscreen. So, yes. You know, yeah, so often you think, oh, if it's water-resistant, I won't have to reapply it again. But actually, that doesn't really mean anything. It just means that it'll stay on your skin a little bit more, 40 minutes probably more on your skin when you're, say, in the ocean. But it doesn't um, stop you from reapplying that, you know, sunscreen every two hours. I still say the same thing. You must reapply yeah reapply reapply yeah and i was going to ask you actually it's barbara here i was going to ask you in terms of your own skin type so that does actually affect the kind of uh, sunscreen you should be looking at yeah so um i'm i'm i've got an indian background i've got a darker skin type so i um i first and foremost still wear sunscreen daily Mm -hmm. because you know sunscreen helps to block aging uv rays and the harmful cancer causing rays Mm -hmm. um skin cancer does not see color so you know skin cancer you you can get it in any person um but in terms of the type of sunscreen so i uh, you know you look at the the type of skin you have and i'm not i'm not sort of really interested in this oily combination on dry skin because i think that's actually a false way of categorizing your skin Uh, i think that um that is a way to define you know marketing really but Mm -hmm. to sell products but actually everyone has a combination of both and but if you are someone who has prone to acne you should definitely be looking at you know um oil-free sunscreen that's definitely for sure Mm um someone like me who's a bit dark and skin type and wants to put on sunscreen maybe to sink face and i'll or a tinted one um, so it can vary and if you've got very sensitive skin then there are certain brands that I recommend to my patients that are just that little bit better and um, not causing a reaction and, mm. and a lot of them are mainly physical blockers so yes. they're based, they have a zinc base rather than a chemical base because mm. yes. that chemical can potentially cause an allergy yes Yes, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, just a couple of years ago, my 11-year-old, we plastered him with sunscreen when we were uh, away camping and he went in the swimming pool, which has obviously got chemicals in it, and then he sweated, perspired, and um, very, very sh- sort of the next day, um, very shortly after reapplying, uh, the, the face sort of came up in these red welts. And we thought, hmm, I thought, let's just get ourselves to the to the hospital because he started to swell yeah. up. Oh, dear. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but uh, apparently, and you might have more information on this from a layperson's term, it was the interaction of the chemicals with his sweat um, that, you know, he'd had the sunscreen before, but in this particular instance, those combinations. Uh, and it's the, I think it's the, the benzene or the benzoate uh, properties that he has a particular reaction to in the chemical sunscreens, which can happen for some people. So it's like an allergy. So now we go with, you know, there's plenty of sunscreens on the offering. Mm. So now we go with something that's zinc-based, which, you know, alleviates that, that situation, but something we didn't quite know about. Is, mm. that, is that something you see often? Oh, yeah. 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 So oh, um, we call it phytophotodermatitis. That's okay. the word for it, where, where you put on a sunscreen, um, it, you go out and say this is the second time. You've, it's always the second time, of never course. the first mm-hmm. time. Yes. Um, because your first time, the body has no idea. Your immune system is basically uh, unaware. And then the second time, it's already got a memory of it from uh, the first time. So mm-hmm. that's when you get the reaction. Yes. Um, 
but these are, these are great questions, by the way. Um, <laughs> and then the sun, the chemicals in the sunscreen reacts with the sun, the UV light. Um, so not necessarily swimming or, or pool chemicals. That's another story, and that could be potentially another compounding factor. But um, so then that reaction between the the sunscreen with the sun then causes a reaction. Mm. Um, and so sometimes for patients, we actually have to do photo patch testing. So patch mm. testing is putting patches of chemicals in a sunscreen on your skin and yes. one we'll do it we'll do it twice so we'll yes. do one side and then the other side will expose it to um uv light oh, nice. and then see if there's a reaction mm. so you know yeah so i always uh, ask patients that you know did you get the reaction when you were inside the house as well as outside or was it always just outside yeah mm-hmm. well this, this was i believe with the sun in this situation so yes we just um, yeah. I went into the. <laughs> I think we just had Clarentine and poured things oh, down. But gosh, um, yeah. but uh, yes, we were. Or my background also in health. I'm going okay. Swelling of the face, difficulty yeah. breathing, of the lips yeah. swelling. Aww. Yeah, let's let's have a look at that. Um, it was a milder. <laughs> you know, it wasn't an anaphylactic reaction, but a milder. So um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's something that a dermatologist could sit down with you and, and work out the particular uh, items yeah, so I mean, that you can then do, choose. Yeah. Yes, we would do some special testing yeah. for it and and um, investigate further. But, you know, it's interesting, like um, you were talking about what other things to look out for in sunscreen, but mm. oxybenzone, which is probably what I think if that was what your um, um, child reacted to, um, it also uh, causes bleaching of the coral so there's like mm. hawaii for example has banned that ingredient yes. in all sunscreen yes. um, and i think as a um as someone we as a society i think australians i've lived in a few countries including the u.s but as a whole um in australia we're very conscious about environmental effects of what we do um which is not so much you know i'm generalizing but not so much where um uh, you know, when I lived in Baltimore, for example, you know, where it's not your day-to-day sort of conversation. But mm. so it's really important that um, listeners always also look for things like reef-safe sunscreen. I think that's really okay. important ah. to start looking at. Yes, because mm, I, I think we can all that. play our part in, you know, um, refusing to buy things that are not coral-safe. Yes, and sure. Yeah. I didn't know about Neither that. Neither did I. Thank so you that's, for that. Uh, a nice yeah. one as well. Now, I have one other question for you. Something you mentioned um, earlier today when we were sharing some information about sunburn and drinking alcohol. Oh, yeah. oh. I was curious. <laughs> I wanted to know more. <laughs> so, would you believe it that when you have, you know, hopefully when the warmer weather and the holiday seasons are here, but when um, we, you know, you have a barbecue and you have a couple of beers outside, the alcohol actually depresses your immune system but also makes you more sensitive to the UV rays. And so what you end up doing is burning much faster than if you weren't drinking, even if you were the exact, say you had a twin, exact same skin color, you're both outside unprotected um, from a, from UV protection and perspective. And you were, uh, one one had a couple of beers and the other one didn't, the one that did have the beers would burn much faster. Wow. That's intriguing. Mm. Well, Mm. we've been talking about alcohol and stroke Mm. in young people earlier with some new science around that. So I think we just need to leave it. (laughs) Go for a mocktail. Have a mocktail. 
Yeah. Uh, we're so lucky. I mean, I've given up Alcott early in the well, first, since first of January, and I'm still here. Um, but you know, there's so many great non-alcoholic there beverages there are now. available yes, now. There so, is, there is yeah. indeed. Well, that's yeah. been really, really informative. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. We hope to have you back on the show if you oh. have us again. Um, but that was uh, Dr. Naiti Sharma, who is a dermatologist and was talking to us about all things sunscreen. So thank you so much for those little pearls of wisdom. And slip, slop, slap, everybody. That's right. And don't forget, what about the map moulding? That's a fascinating uh, topic uh, unto itself, isn't it, I believe? The mole mapping? Sorry, say that Sorry. again. I was going to say the mole mapping is uh, an important um, new... Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, That's, I definitely encourage, if you haven't had your moles done, you need to go and get them yes. checked, whether it's through your local GP or dermatologist yes, or a mole putting that one service. off too. I need to get that looked at. I think <laughs> that is an important one and um, could be a topic for another time. Mm. We can go oh. into the mole mapping as well. So if people want to get hold of you, Dr. Sharma, where's the best yes. way to do that? I think the best is to go on my website, which yes. is um, at my, if you just Google Inside Out Dermatology in Preston, Victoria, and um, that's the best way to get in touch. Um, I'm more than happy to answer questions. We have an email address and you can forward questions onto that. But um, more importantly, if you haven't had a skin check, it's really worth thinking about it. We will talk about it next time uh, if, um, yes. uh, when, if when and that happens. But, I think um, that would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good. And I'm due as well, so mm. I might be heading that way. We also oh, have all uh, your information on our Facebook page, Big Life Conversation, for anyone who is liking to follow that up. Um, thanks Thank again you. so much for coming on to the show. We'll have to speak Thank with you, you again. So Thank you very much for having me. That was wonderful. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Bye. And you're back with us. Big Life Conversation had a couple of tunes there. Snap by Rosa Lynn and Levitating by Dua Lipa, uh, along with a couple of promos from other great, wonderful shows that are on this radio station, 3WBC 94.1 FM. Uh, think, hope you enjoyed our uh, segment, a little bit more science Orientated by our wonderful dermatologist Nyata Sharma, Dr. Nyata Sharma, and uh, talking about sunscreen and what to think about with regards to sunscreen. So, we learned a few good little tips there today. Um, hopefully, we'll have her back on the program with all of those really interesting information. We might talk about mole mapping, which yes. is um, very topical at the moment, very too. Very important because, isn't true, Nicole? Is this correct? The statistic is that Queensland, Australia has the highest rate of skin cancer in the world. That's I wouldn't know specifically, but I wouldn't put it past that. Mm, uh, I, I have heard it anyway, would yes. be, and, and as she said, the way that we are geographically yes, on the globe, exactly. um, where we sit, we get 7% more UV, mm, um, which is significant. Uh, when people often say, oh, you know, when I go to Melbourne, I get burnt. <laughs> when I go to Queensland, I don't get burnt oh, as much. And now we, we mm. do know why that might be. Yes. I think the people are becoming a lot more aware, though, aren't they, of a... Uh, of skin damage, um, and remember a little while ago those um, those dreadful sun beds were banned. Oh these my young goodness! People, that poor young girls, that young journal, that uh, young Asian journalist, who um, is it Olivia? Anyway, she um, what's right? She brought attention to that because uh, she died of skin cancer as a result of using those wretched machines. I know. I have to say, I admit that I before I got married in. 
the 1990s, I thought, oh, I might get a tan. And I went into one. What did you? And, was it scary? Um, I didn't like it and I didn't go back. Oh, really? Um, so it Thank was kind of, didn't. I was lying in there thinking, what am I doing? I'm toasting myself. Yeah. Was it painful? No, but you are in a. You're in enclosed? Um, you've got, you're in an enclosed space, mm. which is one thing. Mm, it's been and you have these blue lights, like tube lights, mm. um, surrounding your body. Sunglasses? Did you have to wear sunglasses? You wear little sunglasses oh, and you were asked to put sunglasses sunscreen on the parts of your body that you don't actually want to tan. Oh, okay. right. uh, I think you probably need sunscreen all over your body. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a really unusual feeling. I thought, yeah, I'm baking myself in mm. something that's going to cause harm. I don't think I should be doing this. Again. No. Would you go for the spray tan? <laughs> I would I'd definitely do that now. I know there was, that was less prevalent at the time, but okay. definitely a good option nowadays. Mm. So yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. Uh, it is that time of the evening for what gets up our noses. Yes, it is. And mm. Almost quarter to six. Mm. You're listening to Big Life Conversation with Nicole and Barbara, 94.1 FM, 3WBC. So what gets up my nose? Yes. Um, I had a few things that got yes. up my nose been recently. that kind of week. <laughs> um, which was that kind of day. But um, the one in particular that I don't love so much is those surprise curriculum days that happen you know when you could have had a surprise cl- yes, curriculum day to, to join mm. with a long weekend such as cup weekend alas no <laughs> no you just have one on a random monday yes. so for all the working parents it makes for a very difficult time um you know yes we love to have our family around us and our kids <laughs> but when you're working that's really hard and i have to say i'm quite enjoying the fact that we're not all under the same roof in lockdown um so it is it is quite uh, tricky. And the other thing was um, uh, just some of the when we're talking about sunscreens earlier, just you know choosing the right sunscreen. We have a, an old sunscreen in our house, oh, which yes. probably should be thrown away, given <laughs> that I just said old. But it is one of those ones that you cake on and you you look blue. And and you get out of the water and you're even more blue. Um, (laughs) So it has the barrier in it. But um, as we found out, there's a whole set of different uh, Mm. oil-based, cream-based, all Mm. sorts of different sunscreens there to try out and just try them on. If you are allergic to some, you can go to a dermatologist and find out uh, which particular ingredients are there as Mm. well. Uh, But what makes my day (laughs) on the flip side of that is, um, you know, obviously coming up to... um, school holiday time mm. is is the fact that we're getting lots of schoolwork coming home and lots of reports around oh. um, the good behaviour of, oh, of the little chillins uh, given great. this first year, sort of more formal year back without lockdown. Yes, exactly. Um, so kids getting back up to speed, which kind of makes my day. That's fantastic. Yes, exactly. What about you, Barb? Oh, look, it's up my nose. As I said, where do we begin? But uh, <laughs> certainly one thing that got up my nose yesterday was going to a certain service station which is quite well known, which will remain nameless, um, but um, in terms of a, uh, part of a big British oil company, um, I believe it's British, hey. anyway, hey. walked in um, and uh, is it a, well, I was annoying the, the previous week because I thought I'd be organised and get petrol ahead of, well ahead of time. And this is just by the by, I need to be told, sorry, all the pumps are, there's something wrong and none of them are working. And then there was a technician here. I thought, oh, so much for that. Anyway, so that was last week. Anyway, this time, it's like a week later, I darkened the doors and um, couldn't find those towelettes that uh, own as a dispenser there, which oh, I'm normally very yes. grateful for. 
um, because I'm still paranoid about touching certain things that every man and his or her dog has been touching. <laughs> so I try. I use them as a as a barrier. Um, you call me paranoid, but as I keep on reminding people, the, the pandemic ain't over as much as we'd like it to be. In fact, we're experiencing a new, new wave. spree at the moment. Exactly. Yes. And, yes, yeah, so the, none of the dispensers were working. Um, and so I think I muddled through with some paper towel. Um, but when I went inside, as I walked through the door, where there normally is a bottle of, you know, please sanitise hands on, upon entering... There was no bottle in that uh, particular holder, in that cont- in that uh, on that stand, and I asked the young guy, and possibly not his fault, uh, behind the counter, um, "Do you realise you don't, you know you've got no um, to- toilet so um, paper to- paper towels, moistened paper towels um, available? Then other dispensers have them, and you got have you got any sanitizer anywhere? No, I said, well, I'm sorry, but um, the-, the pandemic is still with us, and that's not very helpful." It isn't very Mm. helpful at all. And I think, you know, we've all have sanitizers in our bags at the moment. We even here at the studio have a spray, um, you know, because there's lots of people that come and go. And um, it is is really good to stay healthy. Um, It is. And not just spread it. Just those sorts of things. Exactly. Other, other and Christmas cults. is coming and we don't want to be in a situation where like we were, where Christmas was, uh, you know, very much a downer in the past couple, for the past couple of years. Um, and they are suggesting still please keep your masks on if you are, you know, you can't socially distance. Um, and uh, the, the government's not going to bring these things in uh, with elections and other things um, around at the moment. But, um, you know, some, some doctors are saying it should be, some of these things should be made mandatory. Anyway, so those are my, those are my warnings. Get your vaccinations up to date, please, as well. Um, this will all help in the fight against this wretched bug, which seems to um, be a hard thing to keep in check. Um, and on the lighter side, what makes my day? Well, Nicole, I saw some news footage last night and so many sad stories coming out of the Ukraine over the past few months. Yes. But a happy one. Did you oh, see it? Oh, no, I did not. Because, apparently, well, apparently uh, it seems that the Russian forces have um, left part of the Ukraine. They might they haven't left entirely. Perhaps they're still possibly hanging about, but they've left... Um, it, well, some of the major areas, and there were so many um, women of all ages, I think, greeting the Ukrainian soldiers who were coming back with bunches of flowers Aww. and hugs and kisses, and, uh, and all sorts of, and not just women, as the men sort of uh, hugging them and crying and thanking them. And also, I thought this is this is where art can be uplifting. Banksy has made his presence felt on some of the buildings. Wow. Um, it's almost like a political statement or a, uh, you know, a, a, a tipping his hat to the Ukrainians for their for their unbroken spirit. And there, there was one, a particularly eye-catching one, of a young guy, a little boy in like a karate kind of suit, judo suit, flipping Mr. Putin. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, interesting, interesting times. But anyway, it was, it was great news. Uh, some, some good news for so many people in that part of the world. Oh, that is a nice thing. That's a really nice one to make your day as well. I think so. Fabulous. So what's happening in the entertainment news? Well, we are knowing that um, well, it's a busy time. Um, we know it's a busy time down at um, the Hawthorne um, Arts Centre. I've been mentioning that Monsieur Mayonnaise being screened next Wednesday <laughs> night. Um, but also, I guess who else is going to be down at the Hawthorne Arts Centre this Friday night, Nicole? I don't know. One, Renee Gale. Oh, wow. Yes. So she's, I think, appearing at this Friday night down at um, Hawthorne Arts Centre. Uh, I think that concert um, gets underway um, at 8 o'clock. It goes for about an hour and a half or so. Uh, but you check out um, all the details on the Burundara Arts website. Um, and uh, as I say, big fans of Renee. Yes. I might have a tune for her coming up I shortly. I hope so. She's another great Australian artist. So, um Yes, anyway, busy times down at the Hawthorne Arts Centre and thanks very much for organising all that. 
I know, nice, nice things on. And uh, you also did some viewing over the weekend. Do you want to talk more about that? Oh yes, well, just um, just some just some things to uh, take note of. I think it's also on iView. You haven't caught this um, um, what stuff the British Stole series yet, have you? No, no, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's quite fascinating. I think there are a few more parts to go. Um, it's on just actually Tuesday night. It's a good night on the ABC on our national broadcaster because um, that's when um, uh, Magda's got her show on um, and the, the Magda's health check. And also um, that's at 8.30. But at 8 o'clock, just before that, um, Stuff the British Stole chipped away. And Mark Fennell is searching for a mosaic, which seems to have uh, wandered off to a place where it shouldn't be. Um, and, of course, not just, to be fair to the British, uh, it's not just the British that have stolen all sorts of things over the years or borrowed or taken without permission. Uh, all, all sorts of um, colonising powers have done that in times gone past. I know. Um, There's yes. a lot of um, interesting little artefacts being found in all sorts of different locations oh, over indeed. time as well. I think that, of course, Australia's had to request that um, some um, bones of some Indigenous people have been, and remains have been returned to from mm. the British Museum. So, yes, and this is the Elgin Marbles. I think the Greeks have been trying to get them back. Um, I think named after Lord Elgin, who was supposed to, wasn't he supposed to have found them or named after him? I'm not sure. But anyway, or discovered them. But in fact, they belong to Greeks. But I'm not sure. Oh, I have to ask my um, my brothers who are the classicists in the family about Ooh. what the status of uh, of that particular uh, issue is. But anyway, uh, but anyway, that's um, at 8.30 on a, um, on a Tuesday night. And tonight, a bit of a segue to your food thing too, Nicole, the wonderful... Um, Po Ling Yao, better known as Po. Uh, she's a Master Chef contestant, TV presenter, artist, and the author of three previous cookbooks. And um, she's known for so many things uh, her bubby personality and her drive, and not to mention her culinary and artistic talent. But she's got a fourth cookbook out. There's no stopping her. This is subtitled as a great, great name for this one, I think Recipes and Musings for a Simple Life. And it's also, that's a subtitle, but in actual fact, the main title is What I Cook When Nobody's Watching. <laughs> I like that. Sprung. Uh, yes, yeah, sprung. And now we're all going to know. Exactly. And I heard a chatting on the um, the radio today, actually on the ABC, um, about the Australian story, which is on um, 8 o'clock tonight on, on the ABC. And uh, they go into some interesting stories about her quite fascinating life. But she said, look, this book, um, which apparently is available at uh, all good bookstores, um, uh, is actually uh, it's it's a, a nod to making life easier for people. And she said, "Look, you know, I'm not um, preaching to people about how everything um, has to be made from scratch. Sometimes it's not always possible. Ideally, yes, but not always possible. But you know, don't beat yourself up if you're using some, some uh, perhaps pre-prepared stocks or other things. But if you load up on the vegetables and other things, you can uh, compensate. So, um, yep." And she said a lot of it's about comfort eating and comfort food and oh, being happy. I like that. <laughs> I like that attitude. And she looks glowingly healthy She's a great advertisement, isn't she, for, so her, I for think, her line of work. And, and her beautiful cuisine as yes. well. And she, she likes to bake. She so, does. Uh, she manages to do both, uh, both the beautiful um, cuisine, uh, the savoury and the sweet. Mm. So we'll do that. And she always looks, as you say, extremely well and healthy and attractive. Um, and, yeah, and she did say in this uh, interview... Uh, that I caught earlier today, that she is a glass half full kind of person. Uh, So I think that shows in the way she presents herself. Absolutely, absolutely. And just flowing on from that, seamlessly segueing, is a recipe that I have for you tonight, which is on our Facebook page. So if you would like to follow us 
and listen to the shows that you might not have caught, there is a link on our Facebook page, Big Life Conversation. And you can also see a whole set of little recipes there that I've recommended over the times. Uh, This is an easy eggplant stir fry. So Mm. eggplants are in season at the moment. Um, And whilst it refers specifically to sort of the longer, thinner Japanese eggplant, regular eggplant is quite fine. Um, And this is cut into sort of a a centimetre and a half uh, pieces and it has jalapeno peppers in it Mm. um, as well. Um, Just the sweeter, milder versions of that. Um, But the idea is that you cut the eggplants into quarters and lengthwise and then into the uh, one and a half centimetre pieces. Um, Heat them on a large cast iron skillet uh, with some uh, olive oil and cook and stir fry until tender and brown. Transfer to a large bowl. And then it's all about the sauces. So it's hoisin, soy sauce and plum sauce, oh, mixing yeah. those together. And then you heat the remaining um, jalapenos, onions, um, garlic, ginger. So all these are anti-inflammatory, um, beautiful, uh, fragrant herbs and spices. And a cup of fresh basil leaves, uh, mix in your stir fry and your sauce, and then you have a beautiful stir fry. Uh, So that just looks divine. And Mm. I think it takes about 15 minutes to prepare and for six servings. So if you put some rice with that, I think you'd be pretty happy or some quinoa um, or have on its own a really nice one there as well. Delish. Thank you for that. So it is a little bit delish (laughs) for us today. I think that's almost wrapping up our show for today. Mm-hmm. We might go to our little Renee Gayer song yes. and then come back with you and uh, Yes, I've got say a couple of things to mention before we sign out. But yes, um, Renee Gayer appearing at the Hawthorne Arts Centre this Friday night, the 18th of November. And that's Renee Gayer say, I love you. Just cut a little bit short for uh, wanting to say a few little tidbits before we finish up today. Yes, thank you, Nicole. Um, just want to remind people, we had a chat with somebody from uh, NICA, the National Institute of Circus Arts, the other day, and uh, they've got another show coming up. They are very busy. Made to Measure. This is for their graduate year, Showcase 2022. It's described as the um, Met Gala uh, Meet Circus um, as the graduates walk the tightrope between real and ridiculous. And um, the red carpet greeting, according to the blue, the show begins the minute you enter the building, followed by fashion fueled buffoonery and outrageous skills. An arrow ring, handstand trapeze, bounce juggling, and Chinese pole and hula hoops um, all set wow. to stun, amongst others. So that is actually running um, from, from Tuesday, the 22nd of November. That's next year at 7.30. Uh, Wednesday, the 23rd. Thursday, the 24th. Friday, the 25th. Um, it's also at 7.30. And Saturday, the 26th at 2 and 7.30. So it just goes uh, for 90 minutes uh, down at the National Institute of Circus Arts in Green Street in Paran. And uh, parental guidance are recommended, but check out their website for wow, it about booking. All happening there. Yes, all singing, that sounds all dancing. Like fun. Yeah, yes. Good, good, um, good start to uh, the school holidays, which will soon um, be upon us. Um, and uh, also, the Stonington Literary Festival is on um, at Chapel of Chapel from the 18th to the 20th of November. That's this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's good worth checking out for all you book buffs. Lots and lots and lots to have a look at. Uh, so that brings us to the end of the show. Coming up next is the news and... 
primary perspectives. So looking forward to that. Uh, next week we have a couple of mystery guests. Mystery guests, and um, we will be with you. This has been Big Life Conversation with Barbara and Nicole. Hope you've enjoyed the show and our guests. Um, and check out our Facebook page if you would like to uh, review the show again or if you missed it. Um, you can check out our links there. We are podcasting. So um, good fun to be had there. Yes, and don't forget The Crown, the new series starting at Netflix. I started to start on Netflix too with the gorgeous Dominic West as Prince Charles. All right. <laughs> Bye for now. Have a good week. Thanks. Ciao. Ciao.